we are the D49er update. Um, I'm your host, uh, Joel Vaughn. Um, we are on 22westmedia.com. Um, so this is the show for the Daily 49er, where we run through um, news events that happen and arts, so on and so forth. But we're mainly sticking to news and opinion tonight. And we actually have a special guest in the studio as well. Um, Julia, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Julia Janes. I'm a student at Cal State Long Beach, and I am the creator of the Change.org position, petition um, to save commencement. Yeah, definitely. It, commencement has been like a very like hot button issue over the last like week or so here. Um, but before we get into that, let's actually get into your um, background here at Cal State Long Beach. Um, like, were you a transfer student, freshman? Was your overall experience been like? So my family jokes that I've been going to Cal State Long Beach since preschool, mm-hmm. since I went to preschool here while yeah. my parents um, actually were attending Cal State Long Beach themselves, and I. Now, uh, came in as a freshman and am now, um, I guess, senior status. Senior status, yeah. So, I mean, you, you have, like, deep investment then in Cal State Long Beach. Yeah. yeah. My family roots are really strong in this school. Cousins mm-hmm. have gone here, and it's a big part of my life. Yeah. Definitely. And then um, that kind of ties into like this whole um, grievance over the commencement. Um, If you could get into that a little bit as well, like how does like specifically like say the changing of the venue, the canceling of live music and so on and so forth. How does that affect you as such a core student here? So I remember attending my first CSULB commencement. I was four when I went to my dad's master's. of arts ceremony that he mm-hmm. uh, when he was getting his master's here and sitting on that central quad watching the band and just cheering for my dad as he was going across there and I've worked at commencement ceremonies um, since then and have attended my own friends ceremonies mm-hmm. where we get to s- you sit in the central quad and look at all the beautiful nature that we have at our campus and you get to hear the be- wonderful conservatory that we have playing and mm-hmm. watching a CSUP tradition that has been around since the beginning of the school yeah so Okay, um, and then, like, and once again, like, you're not going to be on the lawn anymore, so um, you're moving over to, like, uh, I believe it was the football field out there outside parking lot one. Yes, so the school's um, has, actually it was thanks to the Daily 49er that me as a student was um, informed about these changes that are going on, Mm. that they're going to move the um, venue to the intramural field, that they're... um, were initially planning to cancel the live music and do these changes to potentially save a hundred thousand dollars was uh-huh. their um mo- the reasoning behind this mm-hmm. and um so you feel then that um the uh kind of like um budgeting motives shouldn't go before like the actual experience of the commencement i think that the budgeting needs to be thought out and planned out with the students involved. Mm-hmm. There was no communication yeah. in how our budget is going to affect students with the students um, providing any direct input. I've never gotten any like, uh, oh, here's a survey. Here's mm-hmm. how this money is going to be allocated. Or here's where we think that students believe that there should be cuts. And they saw the, the way I see it is that the school administration saw the way that for them to cut was being commencement, but they never seeked student input if commencement Um, was where students actually wanted to have this cut happen. mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's already student fees in place for commencement as well. 
So in theory, you could just rise those by a certain margin to actually match those prices. Yeah. So Cal State Fullerton charges $70 for their commencement fee. Our mm-hmm. school charges $45. So if you were to raise our commencement fee to the same price as um, Cal State Fullerton's, you could make back the money through the anticipated number of graduates. That would be the savings that they were needing to get from commencement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and what can, like, outside of, like, once again, um, Actually, could kind of switch over and go back to that topic again later. So um, they brought back the, back the like actual music to the commencement. Do you feel like that's actually addressing the issue, or is that kind of just um, kind of placating um, the students here at the moment? I think that's the start of the conversation. It's the music is one part of the entire ceremony, and mm-hmm. it's one part of that. And I'm glad that they've listened so far to that concern and are making efforts there. But the venue itself um, was something that also needs to be changed back to the original location. Actually, last year they switched over from doing um, plaques to paper scrolls as a money-saving measure. Mm -hmm. They never asked if students wanted that. Would students be willing to pay two more dollars to have a plaque instead of getting a flimsy paper scroll? Yeah. Um, Things like that that they never seek student input in. Mm -hmm. And then, like, what so um, seeking, or seeking student input is, like, one amenity to this problem. Like, um, what else do you see that, like, the actual school can do here in the um, provost office? And so so I think the number one thing they could do is put commencement back as how it should be. Mm-hmm. When students signed up to, to walk for commencement, they signed up thinking that, oh, I'm going to have commencement in the cent- central quad, and I'm going to get to celebrate this in, like, the heart of campus that I've called home. We have so many students on campus who graduation is something that they honestly probably didn't think that they were going to achieve. Yeah. And we're not validating them and we're not supporting them by saying, oh, here, we're going to just move commencement because we don't care about you that much. We are cheapening. We're literally cheapening the value of a CSULB degree mm-hmm. by cheapening, by spending less on commencement. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's kind of an unfortunate prospect, really, when it comes down to it. Because, I mean, when it comes to budgeting, you know, say what you will about trying to take it from other places, but students are ultimately the ones that get the short end of the butt deal, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I I mean, uh, I mean, is this just one, like, issue that you specifically see here on campus, or does it kind of go out more than this? So, throughout my time in Cal State Long Beach, there's been a lot of communication issues, I've noticed at least, with campus administrators and activism efforts I've taken on, Mm -hmm. and I felt like there hasn't been an active role taken in communication with our students and our student body, Mm -hmm. and um, that is just a big concern of mine, and that was what really propelled me to move forward and this was kind of the final straw for me, at least. Yeah. Saying, like, This is something that I was looking so forward to doing and so looking forward to getting to show my grandparents, having them walk up through all like, the beautiful campus that we have to get to see, like, oh, that's where she went to this class as mm-hmm. they were making their way to the Central Quad. And that experience for them to get to see that, for me to get to walk and where I play, like, sit down and eat lunch with my friends isn't going to be there for me. Yeah. And so that was the final straw for me to start mm-hmm. this petition. So it's kind of like it, it, it's it's kind of cutting back on your like your own family's legacy at here, I guess you could say at Cal State Long Beach. It's not cutting back on my own family's legacy. It's cutting back at all students' legacies. Uh, all stu- yeah. And the oppor- the opportunities that they thought they were going to have, and mm-hmm. the experience that they got, the culminating experience of your college de- ex- life mm-hmm. has been changed and taken away from you. Yeah. Definitely. And then what were some of the other um, like actual activist um, like um, 
like uh, things that you were involved with so here on campus? So from my freshman year, um, I'm a present scholar, and they changed the scholarship from the year I received it to uh, years after me. And I had expressed deep concerns to President Connolly, and I sent her an email, and I tried to schedule actually a meeting with her, but she n- didn't um, respond to my request to meet with her besides within an con- open community forum. And the emails I received back from her and this, the responses I received back from her at these open community forums were very unresponsive to me. She said, I have my agenda. This is how it's going to be. And she didn't seem to want any student input at all. It was just, it was just us there to receive her talking, but no, not us allowed to express our views and her to actually take them into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, on top of that. So, and this is that kind of that like final commencement, I guess you could say of that, so, yeah, guys, um, do you have anything else to add? or? I think there's some other issues, too. I know the school stated that one of the main reasons they were changing the venue was for safety concerns and that they didn't want the commencement to be lengthened in mm-hmm. time. That's a, The commencement will actually be lengthened in time, especially for this College of Liberal Arts. So as a commencement worker in the past, um, I've noticed the length of commencement ceremonies can be sometimes a problem for especially older patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's... As the previous schedule was, there was three College of Liberal Arts ceremonies. And in the new proposed schedule, there's only two. And there is the College of Liberal Arts split into three ceremonies. Each ceremony was extremely long already, which can be a problem for some people. And the fact now that they're split into two means these commencement ceremonies are actually going to be even longer at that time. Uh So that's an... um, And then once again, kind of going off of you actually working at previous commencements, do you, like genuinely see like any issue with like people being able to get to like that um original lawn placement for commencement no i haven't seen any issues with that and if if anything it actually provides some more opportunities for um people to get to see our campus and for example the um student union is able to set up a booth at the usu for them to sell graduation things as a way for asi to raise funds that's an opportunity for asi that's been taken away since they won't be able to use the usu Mm -hmm. as people are going up to upper campus as a venue for them to be selling um, items and the other thing is that we have this beautiful campus center that has so many of the sculptures and so many of the other beautiful mm-hmm. parts of campus that won't get to be seen so many things that we've put money into mm-hmm, already exactly. you won't get to go see that go beach sign if c- commencement is on the intramural field and mm-hmm. i know president Connolly wants everyone to know that yeah. we have a go beach sign yeah yeah no definitely so it it's it's weird mismanagement of money it is just it's a whole pr scandal um but yeah i mean mm -hmm. so yeah um moving on out of there um thank you for coming on julia as well yeah thank you so much for having me Uh uh-huh awesome so we are going to cut to a commercial break here guys and then for those of you listening on soundcloud we will be back in a second or okay and we are back on the D49er update on 22westmedia.com. Um, yeah, and so moving on, we're actually going to be segueing into our editorial um, for this issue to kind of continue on with the theme of commencement issues. So, yeah, um, Daniel, let's start with you on that. So that was a group between you and the rest of our editing staff, right? Uh, yeah, hello, I'm Daniel, the opinions editor. Uh, yeah, we 
We crafted the editorial in response to President Connolly's letter to the paper. Uh-huh. Uh, in it, she kind of mentioned what she believed were some inaccuracies in our initial reporting. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to address those issues and kind of tell our side of it and uh-huh. why it was what it was. Okay, and then why are some of those issues there, Daniel? Uh, for, one, for one thing, she did mention that we did state in the initial reporting that the commencement was going to be moved down to the soccer field. Mm-hmm. And she, in her letter to editor, she basically said that it was not the soccer field, it was the intramural field, mm-hmm. which was kind of a difference. Yeah, so it, it's been um, issues in communications as well. So um, there was also a discrepancy on when um, this was planned to be announced and released, um, if you could go into that as well. Yeah, see, one issue was she did say that we were incorrect in saying it was the intramural field compared to the soccer field. But in the initial email sent to professors, to faculty, in late January, it was called Athletic Soccer Field. Mm-hmm. And we did, that's how we reported initially. It wasn't until later after the, the announcement to Academic Senate that it was called uh, Intramural Field. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of discrepancy to what the official letter to faculty said as in Athletic Soccer Field to, compared to what they were calling it later on. Mm-hmm. And then this didn't reach students till February 1st, did it? No, the official announcement did not come until th- she announced it at Academic Senate, mm-hmm. at which was well after, almost a week, I would say, after the letter to the faculty. So they knew well beforehand, and students did not find out. And, what it, and honestly, it wasn't very public. It was Academic Senate that a lot of people aren't really aware of, don't really keep track, track of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's kind of like this... Um, I mean, it, it, you don't want to make accusations where, you know, you, you don't have anything, but it, it kind of looks like it was like this, not sneaky, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, but it was rushed out, basically. Yeah, it was kind of odd because we, and when we did try and port, there was kind of miscommunication. They didn't always seem to know what, administration did not seem to all be on the same page. Mm-hmm. So it kind of led to a lot of confusion on our part, and we tried to be as accurate as possible, but... They did not always communicate very well with us, and that, and they were not happy with the results. But we were accurate as far as the information that we had, as far as emails, active Senate interviews, mm-hmm. as we reported it. Yeah, and then um, there you, also in our editorial there was a discrepancy in the actual amount of savings um, from moving commencement. Yeah, for uh, one of the things that the music live music was cut, it would supposedly save a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And Connolly supposedly said that it would repay the live band, live orchestra, about thirteen grand, and that's there's a difference there between the hundred grand they mentioned up to eighty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And as far as I know, we haven't actually figured out where that difference is. Where does that eighty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars go to? Why, if we paid a band thirteen grand, how are we saving a hundred grand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean. Will you predict that those actual numbers will come out, or I mean, because it's it's public school, or not public school, but we're at a public college. Those numbers should be available somewhere, right? At least in theory, right? Yeah, they should be, and we're we are looking into um, finding out what where those numbers went to, what happened, where to go. I'm sure it's somewhere. We're still looking. We're, I'm not going to speculate until we actually have yeah, of hard numbers. Yeah, um, and then. Um, the school actually had a host of other excuses, um, or not excuses, but that that's a little bit too loaded of a word, but reasons for um, actually moving the um, commencement, if you would like to go into those as well. 
Uh, well, one major thing was supposedly it's supposed to be safer. Mm-hmm. There were some kind of safety concerns. They felt that it could be easier to evacuate mm-hmm. down by the soccer field compared to the upper quad. Also, as we mentioned earlier, it'd be easier to access for older um, people. You know, people's families who are older, grandmothers, grandfathers, uh-huh. and people who might have, who might be handicapped, disabled. You know, wheelchairs. They have easy, it would be easier for them to get to the lower soccer field compared to. The upper quad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what other thoughts do you have on this, Daniel? Well, I think a lot of problem comes from, I think, people w- would not be as mad, I think, if we were given time to really digest this information. Mm-hmm. It's very sudden. For example, I mean, I'm going to be walking in the summers. I turned down to a semester. Mm-hmm. And I understand things have to change. You can't always keep everything the same. But it's very sudden. I have a couple months. I kind of expected to be walking upper quad. Yeah. Like my mom graduated from here. I one of my first memories as a to- toddler was seeing my mom walk down, you know, once she got her master went through her master's program. And I kinda just expected I never gave a lot of thought to it, but I kinda expected I'm gonna walk up there one day. Mm. So I think a lot of people are just mad because they don't there's no communication. It happened very suddenly. Mm-hmm. There's there's no the, there's no forums, for example, yeah. that the administration could have done to communicate with us. Uh, it's kind of um this uh, I guess you would call it a break um, in, like, this... Uh, I mean, particularly with um, you and our last guest, Julia, like, um, like a break from, like, this kind of uh, family recollection um, towards what walking at CSULB is like. And, you know, this mind picture you have of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and is that it? Do you have anything else to add there? Or should we um, move into our newsman over here? Uh, yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you are you ready to go there? I'm ready. All right, James. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you all right, SpongeBob? Don't don't get too excited <laughs> here. Um, but yeah. Um, so if you've been listening for a while, you know, of course, that voice is our assistant news editor, James Chow, or senior assistant news editor, James Chow. So, um, would you like to uh kick it off there james um right now we're starting with um long beach and the olympics sure sure um so basically uh long beach city council put out that the um, will confirm that the long beach will host six events from the 2028 los angeles summer olympics Mm -hmm. and what are those events those events will be water polo the triathlon open water swimming handball sailing and bmx racing Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then um, of course, with like hosting the Olympics here comes like certain infrastructure needs that need to be met as mm-hmm. well. Um, what are some of those, if you wouldn't mind going into them? Yeah, no problem. Um, so basically, Mary Garcia uh, put out and it was approved by the council that uh, his eight by twenty eight investment plan, and that plans to add like venues and um, elements that will uh, pretty much generate revenue for the Olympics and pretty much um, give. Uh, like infrastructure needs for the Olympics. Like, um, for example, uh, they are rebuilding the Belmont Veterans Pier, which will be used for sailing, mm-hmm. for, for the sailing event. And, yeah, and that's, like, one among the other things that will be um, renovated. Yeah, and we can always circle back to those again as well. Mm-hmm. And one of those larger infrastructure things is actually hotels right. um, for both the athletes and, you know, tourist patrons of the said Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are kind of the details on that there, James? Okay, so they plan to finish the construction of the Pine and Ocean Convention Center Hotel, um, which was already approved in back in May 2016. Mm-hmm. 
and um, Mayor Garcia said that like he sees it as a way to kind of like connect the hotels uh, to both athletes and tourists during the game, and it's like another way you know the city could get revenue from. Uh, hosting the six events for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so bringing in those fat stacks from you know, <laughs> the sailings in. Thick stacks, uh-huh. Thick stacks? Uh-huh. Uh, all right, James, this is this is getting gross here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you made it gross, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to um, Go Beach Letters then. All so, right. um, like, kind of um, kicking that up, um, like, where did, um, like, the actual money that was allocated towards those letters come from? Okay, so basically... Um, it came from as part of the $26 million campus-wide utility infrastructure bond that was given to us by the state of California. Um, so those, so these go, this go beach letters, um, they were not taken out of uh, student fees. Yeah. They were taken out from that state bond. Mm-hmm. So this is from the state bond, which was originally for what? Okay, so yeah. So um, the it was originally to replace the leaky water pipes that were underneath that area of West Campus Circle and mm-hmm. other areas on campus as well yeah. um, to fix up the storm drains in the area and to fix up uh, reclaimed water pipelines. Mm-hmm. And since West Campus Circle, with, uh, which had the white wall before if you walked past it, yeah. um, uh, since that, carrier was, that area was going to be torn apart, uh, they, might, they thought, well, when, why not use the money instead of rebuilding the white wall? Why not, you know... Um, enhance the student experience, as uh, um, Mark Zikor said, to bring in the Go Beach letters and, you know, make it a selfie central mm-hmm. um, and provide Wi-Fi and um, shady seating for students or whoever who's waiting, you know, say for the bus or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so there's the pipes and then there's also other infrastructure, right, going on around, like, that particular yeah. area of finance. So basically, um, the, the other infrastructure stuff is... Uh, the storm drains is that is that what we're talking about? Yeah, the storm okay. drains. Yeah. Well, I mean, which you already touched on as well, but yeah. yeah, we can keep going on that. Okay, so basically, um, uh, in how do I explain this? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man. Yeah, Take your cool. time. No pressure. All right. Um, so our wa- our water lines, our water pipelines are they're leaky and they're rusted and they're old. Basically, mm. they're put like I think over forty years ago. And yeah, stuff. like. We're we're kind of an old campus. Here. Yeah. yeah, so they're outdated essentially, and mm-hmm. um, so they they basically updated the pipelines because they uh, it also helps with you know heating in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, cooling and heating in the classrooms are very inconsistent sometimes. Uh, I know a lot of my professors that complained about um, the classroom being too hot or too cold. Yeah, and, and what pr- buildings were those in where your professors were complaining? Um, mainly in the LA4 buildings, mm-hmm. you know, in the journalism department areas. But, yeah, and so they, they they fixed that up, and they fixed the storm drains because the West Campus Circle was always, um, like, if it was, like, a heavy rain day, like, it would be flooded. And so they fixed up that area, too. But other um, ongoing construction projects, too, uh, is not just, like, for infrastructure, but the renovation of Peterson Hall. You might have noticed, like, the blue fences mm-hmm. by, by that area. And um, and the uh, the... They're creating also a new building for the College of Continuing and Professional Education. But the renovation of Pearson Hall uh, is going to include a a new student success center. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, that's going to be a $44 million renovation. It's a separate separate state bond for that. Well, it's actually um, it's $44 million total, but it's it's paid for by a state bond and uh, by a donor. His name is Bob Murphy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, um, that success center that will be put up, is going to ha- include um, 
the D- Disabled Student Center, and it will be rebranded as the Murphy Access Center, mm-hmm. in um, uh, named after the donor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then to kind of take a dark turn here towards the end of our news segment, uh, we are moving into a homicide inv- um, investigation being open for um, Hernandez. I'm blanking on his last name at the moment. Oh, our first name, name yeah. excuse me. Estefan Hernandez. Estefan yeah. Hernandez. Um, so if we can kind of start by going into that, like um, on the background of the killing, which um, happened in November of last semester, I believe. Actually, yeah, the press release said November, but mm-hmm. actually the incident took place in September 28th. Mm-hmm. It was a Thursday. And um, yeah, uh, Estefan Hernandez, he was a 21-year-old uh, senior scho- uh, sociology student who was um, going to graduate the spring semester and he was unfortunately um, involved in a shooting incident, a drive-by shooting incident mm-hmm. in Compton, and didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, yeah. I remember because I did a brief little bit of reporting on this as well last mm-hmm. semester. That he was actually it's a shame because he was involved in like actual like student outreach programs right. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it, and it's it, it's even worse to kind of see this being like not worse because you know. Um, the investigation is good because at least it'll like bring some sense of justice to the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's. I mean, the entire situation isn't great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. This um, Estefan, he was, you know, he was he was involved in campus. He, he was in part of the Men's Success Initiative, and he helped mentor uh, uh, minority students, and um, primarily African American and Latino male students. And you know, it was very unfortunate that you know he passed so early. But um, yeah, so basically the homicide bureau is off. They came earlier today, and um, their homicide detectives are offering ten thousand dollars to help find the the assailant, mm-hmm. his assailant, like the people involved in, in the shooting. So is this like a tip line type thing, or um, I'm not too sure. I think I mean they are open, to, you know, to get like any information. But I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, they're gonna offer whoever could find the suspect. Mm-hmm. Find, identify, mm-hmm. so on. Yeah, so exactly. So, yeah. So, um, be, and that's being done through the LAPD, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, a collaboration. I, I believe it's a collaborative effort between um, the Homicide Bureau, the LA, um, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and the Compton Sheriff Station. I believe um, our university president is also, um, you know, going to help out with that too. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then from here, uh, we are having a little bit of a shorter show tonight. So we are going to be kind to another commercial break. And then we will be coming back with actually a surprise guest. Um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, and if you are listening to this on the SoundCloud, we will be back in literally a second. So here we go, guys. And we are back with the D49er update. I am your host, uh, Joel Vaughn. You are listening to us either on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or through live at 22westmedia.com. But, yeah, we're back. And, um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get as many guests as I normally would on tonight just because it's, it's a busy news night tonight. So you can look forward to that on our next issue out tomorrow and then stories posted online. But um, I actually had someone um, doing their live assist hours with me right now. So if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liz Waite. Oh, well, hi, Liz Waite. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess we can get a little bit more loose here. And it's not like boom, news, boom, news, boom, news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, no, this is actually a little bit of a blessing in disguise because um, originally I was just going to, you know, cut the show early at the 7.30 mark and, you know, be done with my business and have to wait for the logger to pick it up at 8. But now I have an excuse to flap my lips until Yay! 8 o'clock. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, your initial pitch with this entire thing was that you were involved in um, student advocacy on campus? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, my big – I'm a community organizer and I'm a theater major, you know, acting – uh, an actor, um, but the thing that I'm really advocating for right now is student homelessness and food insecurity. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the studies, but uh, there's a rate, uh, there's a 49% rate of student hunger mm-hmm. in the CSU system right now, and about 11 to 15% rate of homelessness. Yeah, um, this is actually a little bit serendipitous because um, I took a. Uh, research methods class um, last semester for my journalism major, and we actually um, did a short literature review on um, food insecurity throughout um, the U.S., then California, and then the CSU system itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also the headphones, for some reason, aren't working tonight. <laughs> That's so, okay. Yeah, we're, we're... Who needs them? <laughs> yeah, we're blind here, guys. Hopefully this sounds all right. If it doesn't, no one's probably out there in the hallway anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to worry about fixing it later. Just talking into the ether, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so um what like what has kind of your work consisted of in like um addressing this issue of student hunger and homelessness on campus? Well my my advocacy started kind of the same way our you know, the first guest's advocacy started. Um I experienced something and I was trying to get help for it. You know, I was my first semester here in the spring of 2016. I was displaced um, and I had to redo a financial aid process called the dependency override mm-hmm. um, that I had to prove that I was an independent student yeah. because I wasn't of age. Like yeah. I, I missed the cutoff for being an independent student by age by a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, let me unpack that for you guys here. There's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I have experience with it as well. So yeah. I can do it. Hopefully briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, you are, on your taxes, considered a dependent mm-hmm. to your um, parents until you are 24, which, um, if they're going to financially help you out and, you know, um, like, get you health insurance and so on and so forth, that's great. But there are also people who fall into the cracks of that where it's very much not great, where you're not getting support from your parents, but then you're also, on top of that, getting... Uh, um less support from like the actual school itself yeah uh-huh. financial aid yeah. and so on and so forth um like and this was a super common problem um i noticed when i was at community college where a lot of people frankly just weren't able to transfer until after 24 yeah yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah and my thing was um i had already gone through two dependency overrides at Long Beach City College. Mm. Um, and then when I came here, CSULB said their policy is we don't care if you already did one mm. at community college. You got to do it again because that's just how we how we roll, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they said like it was going to take two months from the process. So I didn't have any financial aid status. Um, I didn't actually get financial aid anything until the last week of school for yeah. that semester. And um, basically, I almost dropped out. Yeah, and that's like, like that's honestly like the nightmare of being a student, particularly um, nowadays where college mm-hmm. is. I mean, what, CSU's for what it's worth are relatively affordable, but relatively affordable is still like five grand a semester. Yeah, yeah it's which, it's yeah, it's still unaffordable uh, in a in a grander scheme, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, which is more than like 
a decent chunk of like students who are working part time will make in a year. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. You see, because the financial aid system is predicated on this idea that you have two work, two parents with a middle class income who can support you, mm-hmm. which is absurd because most students don't have that especially in the csu system it's more lower income students yeah in the cs more first generation students in the the csu system um but it's set up in a way where it's trying to put a lot of the burden on your family so what do you do when you don't have a family yeah no <laughs> you're, you're kind of slo there exactly yeah. yeah um so i kept trying to contact the financial aid office i was like begging them like what is going on with my dependency override i'm gonna drop out i don't you know I- i'm sleeping on couches right now i have no food this is a nightmare um and then I got an email from financial aid saying, you need to sign this document online proving that you understand your obligations to the financial aid office. And, oh, boy, I was livid. I went on Twitter. I tweeted it. I was like, no, you need to know your obligations. Yeah. And um, I was because I was on the verge of dropping out and no one's responding to me. And at the same time, I'm getting an email saying, like, hey, we want to make sure that you understand what your uh, job is regarding us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to kind of, um, kind of um, keep the ball rolling here, how can the CSU better address this problem? Yeah, um, well, oh boy, yeah. This is one of the things I think that needs to happen is that administration needs to start having actual conversations with students. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't, I eventually being on Twitter did work um, when I tweeted at President Connolly. I directly tweeted at her with a study yeah. from uh, the National Center for Student uh, Homelessness about financial aid and financial aid issues and homeless independent youth and I said like hey I'm going to drop out you know mm-hmm. what the heck's going on can you, you no one's responding to me you know and then the next day I got and then after I contacted the 49er yeah then I got a call from financial aid saying do you need help so if there was more of a dialogue between administration and students uh-huh. I don't think that these kind of issues would happen in the first place uh-huh. because we'd start being able to restructure financial aid offices in a way where there's far more communication and it's far more of a two-way street. Well, see, but I feel like that doesn't only just like, and once again, I mean, this is very much like an off-the-cuff interview here. So I... I feel like that doesn't just go to say like President Connolly. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't just President Connolly. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not just. Obviously, this isn't a, a specifically a CSULB problem. This yeah. is a whole system this is wide a with FAFSA in general. Yeah, and yeah. and the way that the financial aid system's been set up, mm-hmm. and and um, it's a beer. It's very. It's very bureaucratic, and it's 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 a mess to get through and if you don't have the kind of like background in which you've been primed for college since you were a kid mm-hmm. and you have people behind you financially and giving you a roof over your head it is a huge burden uh-huh. to push through I, yeah i mean and you know it, to be fair we are going to college you know we we do already have like a certain amount of privilege i guess you could say the fact that we're even in school yeah, yeah of course but with that being said, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, I, things are still hard. You know, no, yeah, yeah it's, and and the the more vulnerable you are, the less adaptive the system is to you. Like foster youth, only five percent of foster youth get BA degrees, mm-hmm. and I, I'm and there's a whole myriad of social issues behind that. But one of the reasons is because you know the lack. I I would believe from my own experience coming from that background, the lack of accessibility. Um, and, and just, you know, it's difficult for, uh, anybody to understand the FAFSA mm-hmm. and anybody to understand the kind of bureaucracy that surrounds financial aid, much less, 
a kid from a, a neglectful background who has no concept of what college or financial aid takes or yeah. is. Uh-huh. No, I mean, um, I don't know how much, I mean, it's still like a fresh thing, but I don't know how much of the weeds I want to get into it, but... Um, I had to do my financial aid mm-hmm. um, while my parents were in the midst of, or in like basically the middle of like a whole like divorce debacle. Right. Yeah. yeah and that became instantly more of a nightmare around mm-hmm. that, like figuring out whose income I needed to like put on there, and then like getting the actual like form sent back to me yeah. a series of times because of that as yeah. well. And you know, and this is of course like the just like a, a small like not even the biggest issue around it but it was still difficult you know um and once again it's part of the cause like even um when i was going to community college mm-hmm. um i you know i worked to pay for like my um or like i got help from parents and you know did as much as i can to like help pay for my um like aa you know but even that wasn't super tangible or possible you know and, yeah and that's only at, like you know six hundred dollars semester tuition right plus another two or three hundred in books right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and, and you know what you're hitting the, the nail on the head that it it's it's a it's a serious burden to carry mm-hmm. you know when your job as a student is to be a student uh-huh. um so i you know the advocacy that i'm doing right now it the financial aid thing, that's where my advocacy started because I, I was trying to advocate for myself and just get my problem solved. But, you know, I'm starting a student organization on campus for housing and food insecurity. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm actually looking for club officers. If anybody's listening to this, like, please call in. Yeah, of course. I would love to. I'd love to work with you. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, also, you know, there's I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm no longer a news editor at the paper. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a story. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend emailing our news editor. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Put yeah. something in the yeah the newspaper to like get people. Um, and I've contacted like the sustainability club and like the Newman group because I wanted to be I wanted to be a um a collaborative thing between multiple clubs mm-hmm. where I guess in a sense we're, we're kind of doing the lean in thing or whatever, you know, where we each have particular resources and particular people who could contribute to the issue mm-hmm. and we're cross communicating. Yeah. It's it's just it's bringing them together. It, yeah, bas- yeah, 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 mm-hmm. to put it in simpler terms. Um so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I've looking at different places in Long Beach that do like food distribution because one of my goals is to start a food co-op on campus. Yeah. You see Berkeley has a food co-op with fresh food. Mm-hmm. Um and we have a food pantry which is fantastic, but there is not there's no fresh food there. Yeah. It, it's mainly like food like that's very high in starch. So there's probably there's ways we can implement you know sustainable food sources on campus so that mm-hmm. when students are going to food pan- the food pantry which is fantastic yeah. they can get food that's supporting their brain health mm-hmm. it, well i mean it's just like their health in general i mean right exactly i mean because you you really can't sustain yourself off of pasta and canned beans no you can't no yeah. it's it's just not possible mm-hmm. like it, it and it's going to have interge- intergenerational consequences because that diet over long, over the long term is going to have health ramifications mm-hmm. to you um, and yeah, and I'm training, you know, here at 22 Media West to be on the air and do community organizing show and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm pushing for mm-hmm. right now. Um, it's a big issue, but I- I've seen a lot of like tremendous advocacy come from student populations uh-huh. and, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to like ignite and push for and, and do, you know, uh-huh. and what are some examples of that advocacy? Well, actually there's, um, 
at UC Berkeley, they have the uh, food, you know, they have the uh, Berkeley Food Co-op. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of going on on that campus regarding homelessness because Berkeley has a terrible housing crunch issue the same way that Los Angeles has. Yeah. Um, I'm in contact with the Homeless Student Union at, uh, at a Humboldt State. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing a lot of um, communicating with their administration, some protests, some negotiating about student housing issues, um, because, you know, they have really high cost of housing the same way that we do. Um, I'm also this isn't like a, a college campus, but um, I've uh, I went to a conference in Philadelphia in October um, that was put on by a woman named Sarah Goldrick Rabb from the Wisconsin Hope Labs. And the Wisconsin Hope Labs is a nonprofit that does uh, in-depth you know, statistical research on student homelessness and student hunger. And I'm working with her on a couple of projects right now to bring the issue more visibility because it's student homelessness is still not that visible of an issue. It still kind of sounds like an oxymoron in a lot of people's heads. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and how did you actually get um, linked up with her? And when I was on Twitter and I was like begging for help to like, I'm going to drop out. Ah, you know, I, the, she popped up in my Twitter recommendations and I was like, add Sarah Goldrick Rap, Can you help me? Yeah. You know, and then we ended up communicating with each other. And um, she said, like, you should apply to go to this conference. And I did. And I got a stipend. And, you know, now um, I'm in direct I'm in direct contact with her. Um, and she's fantastic. because She's an example of somebody who goes to the source. She talks to students directly, mm-hmm. and that's p- why part of why her advocacy is so powerful is because she is like right there with students, saying, "If you have something to say about your experience, you know, I'm going to give you a platform to say it." Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a really, really fruitful relationship, and we've got other things coming that I think are going to that I think are you know I hope are going to give other students the ability to be like, "Hi, Liz, sleeping in my car. Uh, we need to do something about this." Yeah, well, I mean, see. It's so tough. Like, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know. Like, not to harp on like my own like thing too much, but oh no, no, the personal stories is what we're yeah. yeah that well, I mean, I I live out in like El Monte, like very far. Yes, very very far. But that's because it's what I can afford. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's still with family and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But rents out here. I, I mean, I, have increased twenty three percent in the last two years. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I I wouldn't have had that exact percentage, but like, even just like looking at say like one bedroom studios, I'm not seeing anything less than like like a grand yep. or more. You yep. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Now, I mean, and it's I it's really great that you like have a family that you can live with. Exactly. Now, imagine if you're an outgoing foster youth, mm-hmm. you have no family to support you, you're just kind of being kicked out of the system. Mm-hmm. And you want to go to co- go to school, which is great, but you're just kind of left to you're kind of just left on the mercy of the market. Yeah. Now and then it's like, well, there's probably a reason why there's only a five percent rate of graduation for foster youth, and one of the reasons why is a lack of housing security. Yeah. Um, I've also worked with Mark Horvath from mm-hmm. he has a YouTube channel called Invisible People, where he actually interviews people experiencing homelessness, and he's ho- interviewed people like veterans. He's interviewed youth. He's you know, and all of their stories have that common thread of there's just no housing. There's just no housing. Yeah. It's just, it's so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where was I going with that? I forgot. Sorry. I you were talking about where were you because of the rent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it rents are, uh, the rents are too damn high. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I got caught up in the moment of it in yeah. place, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely particularly a, like an issue around foster youth. Like that's, um, uh, not 
I don't know if marginalized is quite the right term, but it is a community that is not very well supported. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's that's one of the that's one of the sad things about this country in general is the lack of the 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 social welfare net, Mm -hmm. the the lack of the being the spirit of like public service and taking care of each other. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Is really deficient. Um, so if you don't have a family, because it's kind of assumed by everybody, like, well, don't you have a family to take care of you? And Mm -hmm. you're like, well, nope. Guess I'll, guess I'll die, you know. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. I mean, you know, getting into the culture of it, too. I, I mean, not to get on my own liberal high horse here for too long, but, you know, we stigmatize, like, the actual idea of welfare, of the welfare state, to death. Like, well, it, we, there's, there's a, a form of thinking that equates it with communism, which yeah. is the most absurd high well, straw I mean, man ever. Uh, you know? I mean, you know, uh, okay, so, like, Medicare, that's mm-hmm. welfare. Um, like, uh, like... Uh, the uh, suburbs were a form of, were, were government subsidy. I mean, like, the, yeah. the, the, the suburbs, our, uh, our housing policy was written mm-hmm. uh, to put white people in suburbs and then people of color in, like, shanty town, in the inner city. Yeah. And people don't seem to realize that that was a deliberate choice on half of urban planners in the government because that's a that's a separate issue but what i'm getting at is the fact that like people who criticize the welfare state don't seem to understand that they too are recipients of a welfare state yeah it's just a welfare state that's invisible to them uh-huh. no i mean i'm definitely pulling from a nice little podcast called citations needed here a lot but no i it, it's like a weirdly racialized term when it mm-hmm. really comes down to it and it's it's pretty damn terrible to be yeah honest. it is absolutely yeah no, I mean, I really think, like, we need to do, like, a decent amount of work in this country around destigmatizing welfare. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, yeah, and I think destigmatizing poverty because the, the whole yeah. culture of the worship of wealth, mm-hmm. you know, worshiping mammon or worshiping prosperity, that's the kind of, like, hydra monster mm-hmm. that's created the culture where you can, uh, basically be like, well, if you cut off welfare, then they'll have to get a job or die. I've heard, I've literally heard people say things like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't think, you understand what you're saying because I'm not going to immediately jump to like you're oh, the devil. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean I, I like to give people at least a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. As right. Well. But you know, like this whole um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Some people don't have boots. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that exact line is, you know, it, it like the hype. It's meant to be like hyper hyperbolically just ridiculous. But it's, yeah, and the point of it is that when you're telling you need to do this, it. it that it requires no change or introspection or action on the behalf of the speaker. Mm-hmm. That's why. Um, and that's why I, I've always thought it's a, it's a really cowardly cop out because it's like, well, if you keep shoving off the problem on the people who are suffering, then you don't have to actually. Yeah, and that's that's I'm 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 driving this condemnation more towards people in positions of power rather than like your average American citizen. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, like actual politicians and lawmakers mm-hmm. who can like do ext- real damage. Yeah, you it, know. I mean, and, and even they may harbor like their own ignorance, but it, it, it's it's not something that we can really stay silent over. Anyway. No, no, yeah. and 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 yeah, and the all those things have helped create the student homelessness and and food security crisis. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, and, and that and like so many other like you know homelessness crises and crises yeah, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And God, I mean, I, I could go on and on about like issues around my hometown of like San Diego and so on and so forth. Oh yeah, San Diego's been gentrified pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, damn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we had to wrap up for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> actually. So yeah, uh if you could just um 
you know, promote yourself, promote what show you do. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, my name is Liz Waite, um, and I'm on Facebook. I even have a Facebook group for people who want to help homeless students um, and people who are homeless looking for, like, research so I can connect them to policymakers or whatever. But, yeah, my name is Liz Waite. Uh, you can find me um, on Instagram at, uh, at uh, P-U-N-K-Y-B-R. U-T-E, uh, like just send me a message or whatever. I'd, I I want to network and connect with people because I'm rallying really hard on this issue and I need support because it's a lot and I just, I hunger for collaboration <laughs> uh, like like a zombie hungers for flesh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, and when I'm going to be on the air, I'm going to be interviewing community organizers and, and artists and everything. Basically, just putting everything through the lens of like democracy mm-hmm. and, and, and with a special emphasis on homelessness. Yeah. That's extremely broad but i'll figure it out yeah so yeah (laughs) so tune in check it out you'll have a time it'll be up there and out there yeah but yeah and um my name is joel vaughn um i am the radio producer for the d49er updates um you can expect to if you're listening to this live right now you can expect to find it out on soundcloud um google play and itunes either tomorrow or friday um, you can reach out to me at newsroom, um, J-O-E-L, on Twitter. And, yeah, um, good night, guys.